0: What's up everyone? Welcome back to the CEO Journals Podcast. For those of you that are new here, thank you for joining. I am your host, Ethan Bridge. Before I dive into the intro, I'd greatly appreciate if you pulled out your phone, opened up the podcast app, and left a five-star rating and review. It literally takes a matter of seconds and you don't even have to stop listening. On today's episode, I had the pleasure of speaking to Ronel Richards, an award-winning entrepreneur, podcast host, and business consultant. Success isn't a talent, it's a skill. One that can be taught. Ronnell's unique combination of motivation, experience, communication, ambition, and vision has pushed several companies to overwhelming heights. Everyone wants exponential growth, but simply wanting it isn't enough. For every Rocky Balboa, there's a Mickey motivating them from outside the ring, giving them that extra edge in the fight. Every Adonis Creed needs a Rocky to help guide them to the title. Ronell has built his career out of transforming sales teams and sales professionals into high-level performers. He's taught individuals how to feel like part of a team and perform better as a result. He's successfully strategised with both small and large businesses to take their progress to the next level. This has given him a unique perspective on success that he brings to every aspect of his life. As an award-winning entrepreneur, Ronel knows what it takes to aim high and hit even higher. Ultimately, this is what you're going to learn in today's episode. Ronel even talks us through the perfect sales pitch in order to gain your all-important first client. Ronel's energy is infectious and this was an incredibly fun conversation to record, which I can't wait for you all to hear. So without any further ado, let's dive straight into the episode enjoy. Hello everyone, welcome back to the CEO Journals podcast. Today on the show I have the pleasure in speaking to Ronel Richards. Ronel, how are you doing today?
1: Man, Ethan, I am awesome, dude. Thanks so much for the invitation. I'm happy to get started. I'm excited, ready to rock.
0: The the pleasure is mine. I cannot wait to have you on the show. Your energy is incredible already. So this I know this episode is going to be brilliant. But why don't you tell our listeners quickly about what who you are and what you do? So within 60 seconds introduction. Go.
1: 60. Let's go. All right. <laughs> well, you know, I'm I'm pretty much known as Mr. Entrepreneurship. Um I run a company called Ronald Richards LLC that does entrepreneurship coaching. I do sales coaching and workshops as well as we have a company called Business and Bourbon which is on a mission to combat all things entrepreneurship porn and we do that through our podcast through our live events and through our online content and i'm sure we'll get into that but awesome that is, was i under 60 was that good
0: <laughs> yep yeah, you you were well within you were well within good job and i can't wait to delve into that more because the business and bourbon concept is I think it's brilliant. So I'm going to ask you more about that later. Thank you. But the way I like to start all my episodes is by throwing it back with my guests and asking them about their upgri- upbringing. So tell me a little bit about your childhood and your time with school, how you found school, were you the class clown, or were you was that kid that did sh- straight A's, didn't have to do any work?
1: Wow. You know what's, what's, what's a more
0: fun question, Ethan, is what do you think?
1: <laughs> I always find it funny to think, like, what, what do people think? Of uh, of me, like what would you, you've you've met me now, you've seen my kind of. What
0: do you think I was? I think you're a bit. Of, I think you're a bit of both. I think you were a popular kid because you express yourself well, but I also think you put the work in because you've done very well for yourself, cl- evidently.
1: Thank you. Well, you're wrong, <laughs> <laughs> but good guess, dude. So you know, um, I was a I was a bit of the class clown um, early on. And, um, you know, where I grew up, I grew up in an area where I was kind of, I was the minority of minorities, right? And so part of what's fueled me is kind of a chip on my shoulder, a need to always prove myself and to not only prove that I was as good as everyone else, but better, right? You know, so I I had great parents that really tried to make sure that I had this great a feeling of self-worth and self-confidence, which I think is super important when you're a kid that's growing up in an environment where most people don't look like you or talk like you or have similar cultures and backgrounds. And so, you know, going home, my parents just were always making sure that my confidence was where it needed to be, that, that I, I had a strong belief in self, strong belief in culture. And that translated to a guy that kind of had a bit of a a chip on his shoulder and a guy that was always looking to overachieve. And so as I got, you know, got to adulthood and got into the corporate world, I have, I've kind of always taken that with me. Right. And so, yeah, I, 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 you can probably tell I I like to entertain a little bit. So yeah, I was a bit of the, the class clown at times, but absolutely serious. And if you were to talk to some of my friends from back in the day, they will tell you that I was born thirty years old. Uh, I just always had a very serious mentality about myself, and and so as as we've moved into and started our coaching and consulting businesses, while officially on the books, uh, we've been consulting and coaching for you know three or four years. I've been doing it my whole life prior to that, and and coaching and consulting my my employees um, in, in my adulthood and adult career. So it's just kind of always been second nature to me. So that's what type of kid I was.
0: I think it was a great combination. I think it was a great combination as well, because it's clearly done very well for you. So but with your parents, you say they always supported you, but did they ever try and push you in a certain direction? Did they always say, oh, you need to go to college, get a corporate job, or were they always just supportive in whatever you wanted to do?
1: Well, I think that, um, you know, our our background is a little bit different in the sense that like, you know, my parents didn't come from, we come from humble beginnings. And my parents didn't come from um, households where education in terms of formal education was quite as valued, right? Like, you know, my mother was the first person in her family to go to college. And um, so I don't think it was ever so much about, Formal education in my household. I I was born into a, an entrepreneurship-based household. So the one thing I would say that my parents, I won't even say pushed me into, but bred me to be was an entrepreneur. This was planted in at a very young age. So my dad, oh, he was always on. He was an entrepreneur. He's an entrepreneur today. And just as a kid, that's all I ever thought I would do and be was. And my and my juvenile mind at the time, it was, hey, I'm going to be a businessman. I didn't know exactly what that meant at the time. But I knew that I wanted to be the guy that made the decisions. I wanted to be the guy that controlled my own destiny. I wanted to be the guy that created things. And that is largely a credit to my parents. So I feel that while they didn't push me, they subliminally, (laughs) subliminally, that subliminally, subliminally
0: <laughs>
1: planted all of these seeds in my head. And so that's all that I ever really wanted to do and wanted to be. And they showed that example as well in their business endeavors and the things that they did. So I think that most kids, for those of your, of your, your watchers and listeners that have kids, um, kids learn from what they see, you know, not from what we tell them or, or necessarily push them into they learn through their environment. And so while they were planting those seeds, they were also out there doing all of these entrepreneurship things and creating businesses and growing businesses. And I was a part of that. Um, my parents were younger. So, you know, my father, 20 years older than me, my mother, 18 years older than me. So they were kids themselves raising the kids. So as they were doing their different things in entrepreneurship, we were right there. I was right there along with them. Um, tending cash register, taking deposits to the bank, all of those sorts of things I did at a very young age.
0: Life lessons you don't learn at school either. Because obviously, oh, no. and I find that really fascinating because most parents with their kids are pretty much play it safe, go to college, get your degree, get a full-time job in, a corporate, in the corporate industry, get a salary every month, but complete opposite of you. So props to them.
1: Thank you. Yeah, and I don't think that, Ethan, it was necessarily that they didn't um, find that education was important, you know, because I think there's a lot. And and I want to make sure this is clear to your audience, too, because I think there's a lot of of pushback against education today. um, And it's part of what I call that entrepreneur porn where people are being told, hey, look, go quit your job and go start your business tomorrow. It's all going to be all good. Just have faith. That's bullshit. It doesn't necessarily work like that. And so what we do on my platforms is we kind of give you, I want to give you real wisdom. I want to give you real um, knowledge so that you can really skill up and arm and know what it's going to be about. So I don't, all of of our paths don't go through formal education, but I don't necessarily like the pushback to like, okay, you're going to be successful without that because my path is not your path and it's not the next guy's path. And I will tell you that I'm not a normal dude. I'm just, I'm not a normal dude. And this path is not the easiest path to take. And it really takes someone that's a little bit out there to be able to, 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 and it has a high ability to handle stress and things like that, to be able to make it in that world.
0: 100%. And I just think this, this is one of the main things I talk about in my podcast, but I just think, especially with social media today, entrepreneurship has been glamorized as being some, thing that just looks incredible and it's just easy 100 per step of the way but that's yeah. because we only see the highlights on social media we don't yes. see we don't see the 16 hour days the sleepless nights the sacrifice of that free time because yeah. that, that that all happens but nobody shares that part and most of those and we also realize that most of those highlights
1: are fake right <laughs> those highlights aren't real <laughs> they're all flashing the money up. The guy, the guy that's, that's hopping into his car, he's leveraged hopping into that exotic car, the Lamborghini. He's leveraged up to his ears right
0: now and then. That's a reality. Agreed. And obviously, in some cases, that's not that's not always the case. But a lot of the time, when people are, yeah, but You're right.
1: In some <laughs> cases, we don't. I don't like to generalize. So I, I agree with you. You're right. But there is so much of them yeah. that that is the that's kind of like the overwhelming, just the overwhelming number of them are like that. And I think we've all, and it's part of what we talk about on business and bourbon. It's just I think we all have uh, got our BS meters now, so we get it. We know that it's not for the most part real, right? And so that's why it's great a great time for guys like you and guys like myself to educate the masses on hey, look. This is what it really looks like, because if I don't give you real information, if I don't tell you how, how, you, can, how you can really win, if I'm just giving you all that BS, you're going to lose. You're going to quit your job, and you're going to start some business. You got no business starting, and you're not prepared. You don't have any real, um, you haven't been armed up with really the tools that it takes to be successful. You don't know what you're about to get into, and you're, you're just going to be another no, number of the, the millions of businesses that fail every year.
0: 100% couldn't agree more. I do want to talk to you about business and bourbon now. But before we do, I have here a lovely can of Stella Artois, a Stella. Beautiful, beautiful lager that we have here in the UK. Not one of my favorites, but I just found it in the cupboard. And in the aid of business and bourbon, I am going to crack this open. Yes. And enjoy, enjoy this throughout the episode. I'll probably call this beer and business or. Lessons with lager, or maybe a st- <laughs> a stellar conversation. There we go, something like that. I like but that. where, how did this whole business and bourbon thing come about? Because I think it's a fantastic concept, I think it's hilarious, oh. but also still well in line with the business techniques and what we've it's just a nice twist, I think. So tell us a little bit about it.
1: So, Ethan, first of all, I'm a little pissed
0: at you because you didn't prep me, you didn't prep
1: me for this part. <laughs> You're drinking a beer without me, man. I would have cracked mine open too. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're
0: driving. You've still got to drive somewhere.
1: <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> so um, let me tell you about Business and Bourbon. Um, business and Bourbon is is really, It's it's more than just a podcast. It's more than just a show. It's more than just Um, content. It is, it's a movement, man. And it's a movement to combat some of this stuff that we talked about earlier on in this conversation, a concept that I call entrepreneur porn. And entrepreneur porn is all of this garbage that we see that over romanticizes entrepreneurship. It doesn't give people a realistic version of what entrepreneurship really means and what success in entrepreneurship is. So what I do is I what I've done is created this platform where I bring people on that have been there that have done that and we share wisdom that we that we have earned that we have earned okay because there's so many things you can anyone can learn from a book right anyone can read some shit from a book and be like hey you should you should manage your PL this way but you know what they can't do you can't Share wisdom unless you've earned it, and you earn it if you've been through the trials, you've been through the fires. So, I like to bring people onto my, my platform and we share what we've earned right with the audience. And we do this, and I will talk about the podcast first. The podcast we record that live from a bar here in Atlanta, Georgia, one of the coolest bars in the town. It's in the, in the business district. I invite uh, local successful entrepreneurs, we sit down. We have a couple of drinks and we have real talk. Why do we, why are we drinking? Not because we're, we're lushes or alcoholics or drinking, (laughs) because I want people to relax and I want you, the audience to get an insight on what it's like when a couple of, you know, successful entrepreneurs sit down and have real talk, Ethan, not, no one's posturing. No one's trying to promote their book. No one's trying to look how to, to show how cool they are, or how good looking they're, how awesome their life is. We sit down and talk about the real challenges that we deal with, right? We talk about our families. We talk about substance abuse. We talk about um, real work life balance. We talk about mental health. We talk about a lot of things that most people are afraid to talk about. But one thing I want to be, I want you to, to understand about that, our platform and the concept is that. It's not heavy, dude. It's not heavy. So it's not like watching a Dr. Phil episode or something where you walk away feeling like, oh God, man, that was heavy. No, it's fun. It's fun. It's entertaining, but it's informative. And that's what we do on the podcast. We also have a live event that we travel around where I invite a few people to be a few thought leaders that sit on on my panel. We do a live Q&A, whiskey tasting and just one of the best mixers that you'll ever be at. And we've we traveled out around the US. We just did our first international location um in Toronto and Canada. And so that's just an extension of the business and bourbon um brand and people love it. And beyond that we do a ton of content. Uh, A ton of some of our content are it's a question and answer sort of format where my followers ask me questions about entrepreneurship sales. We go to really cool locales. I crack open like you're doing, you crack open a beer. I crack open a nice whiskey, have some drinks, and I answer those questions for them. And uh, yeah, and, and so the backdrop of the, I, I don't like people to get too concerned or too focused on the whiskeys and all that because that is just, that's just the backdrop. It's really about the, the business and the wisdom that comes from that. But understanding that a little social lubricant never hurt anybody. And a little social lubricant can help us to feel a little comfortable in sharing the things that people need to hear. Yes. The stuff, not that they want to hear, but they need to hear if they really are going to be successful.
0: Exactly. So there I, it is. Yeah. No, and I 100% agree with that as well. And I have three questions at the end, at the very end of the episode, not yet, that I do ask. And they are on three topics that I don't think are spoken enough about. So okay. we could go really, we could go really deep with those if you want to um cool i love i also love what you said about you just don't want people on your podcast that just there to sell something because i actually turn people down that send me emails saying i want to be on your podcast because i've just brought out a book or i've got this really cool idea or platform or product because i know they're just going to spend the whole time plugging their product or book or whatever it is so i just say sorry but not for that's not for me i prefer to as you say sit down have real conversations find the true stories of these people and then at the end if they have provided the value go for it promote whatever you need to promote because you've done the rest throughout the episode so i love that you say that
1: ethan i respect the hell out of that um i've got a couple of rules for my podcast number one is i don't do because it's a sit down have a drink look you in the eye sort of thing. I don't do any call-ins. They have to be, they have to come to the bar. They got to sit with me. So, you know, just like you, if I've had people from all over the country, influencers that will, will reach out and be like, Hey, look, you know, love to be on business bourbon. Love it. I say, awesome. When you come into Atlanta, okay. <laughs> because that's the only way that I will do it. So there's that. And the second part is right before we go in air, I tell people, look, understand, You're on the podcast. So people already know that you're a successful person. You've had some success. This is not a commercial for you. So understand that this is not, hey, how awesome you are. What I want is I want you to share. I want you to give the people something. I want you to give the audience some information that's going to help them to win, help them to be successful. And just like you, Ethan, it's all about what we can, the value that we can bring to the audience and the value we can bring to the fault to our, 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 our network and not so much about, hey, look at me, I'm so awesome. Guys, I don't like, I'm not real comfortable in talking about all my accomplishments and all that, so that's why I don't talk about it much. If you really want to know, Google me. It's all out there, but I don't really like you, Ethan. I'm more, what's, what's cooler and what's sexier is sharing all of this information, this knowledge and this wisdom that I've compiled over the years.
0: Exactly, and Again, you're doing it on this episode, so I can't thank you enough. But the main topic of this episode I want to talk about is sales. Okay. You are a sales coach. You hold sales workshops and you do sales leadership coaching. So I really want to delve into that because I know some of my listeners are want to be entrepreneurs. They are very early on in, on in their journey and they're struggling getting those initial clients for their business, whether that be trying to land meetings through cold calling or they're getting these first meetings and then they just don't know what to do when they get to them. So let's set the scene of you have no clients yet, you have no reputation, you have no real portfolio, but you are calling trying to get hold of a business owner, but you get hold of their assistant. Their assistant doesn't like people cold calling, so they tend to just brush people off. But how do you get through this to this person that you need to talk to? How do you get, your, get, get hold of the decision maker?
1: Well, the first thing I'm going to say is that we need to clearly understand who our decision maker is and understand, do, do a little research beforehand. Do, do a little database work, right? It's 2000 and almost 2020. When I started my career, Ethan, we literally would, would pull the yellow pages or the white pages and start calling. We have so much information now. It's ridiculous if you're not using the information that we have access to. So if you're calling and you're getting that that gatekeeper, the first thing you got to do with that gatekeeper is you have to make sure that you are calling with purpose and that gatekeeper understands that you're calling with, with purpose and you're not like, hey, uh, yeah, can I speak to the person that controls this? No, you've done your research, so you know who you're calling for. So call with authority. Yes, need to speak to Jim, whatever, Jim... Jim, what's a good a, a
0: good British last name? It's a good <laughs> well, you don't have mine. Mine's just mine's just bridge. Jim Bridge. bridge.
1: That is that is
0: so British. I love it.
1: <laughs> so we're we're calling with purpose. We're not spending time with the with the gatekeeper. We're calling for hey, need to speak to Jim. Who's this? Oh, this is this is Ron L calling with such and such. Okay, cool. And 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 get straight through. Now, one thing where I, I want to touch on really quick where sellers make a huge mistake or just entrepreneurs make a huge mistake is they try to pitch the gatekeeper they are pitching well yeah this is Ron right now i'm calling with such and such and i'm doing this and then that. no don't pitch them call with authority call with purpose need to speak to jim cool get put through the gym if they ask oh what is this for calling? well it's con- it's concerning have a reason for calling right that's why what, what i tell people if you do your research you create a database you can have a reason for calling there's a few tricks of the trade that we like to do and we like to use in our business. Some of them can be you know, like referring to an email I sent them, referring to a letter that we sent, something something like that's a good trick of the trade to get through the, that gatekeeper. But my biggest piece of advice in dealing with gatekeepers is don't sell the gatekeeper. Don't spend that much time on the gatekeeper. Be confident, call with purpose, know who the hell you're calling for.
0: Awesome, great advice. So now you're through to the decision maker. How do you treat that call? Is it an elevator pitch or do you have a casual conversation to try and land a meeting? What do you do? What is your preferred style of conversation for that initial introduction?
1: So Ethan, I've not had the benefit of not only, you know, I'm a, I'm a sales coach and do workshops all over the country, that sort of thing. But um, I'm not just a guy that tells people what to do. I'm a guy that's done all of this stuff. <laughs> okay. So I've just over the last decade, I've had about 150 of my own sales employees that we've created all of the content and I've created dozens of scripts for these guys. All right, here is the benefit of these years of wisdom for your audience. I want you guys to pay attention. It's not difficult. It's very simple. Decision makers are human beings, but they're busy human beings. Here's what you need to articulate in that first call. That first call is not about selling. Don't sell me. Don't try to sell me it's about three things. Who the hell are you? What do you want? What's We've in it for me? Who are you? Why am I calling? Well, I represent this company three. What's in it for you. This is what I can do for you. Okay. Um, and that starts with uh, doing a little bit of work. All right. Like I said, initially when we started this thing, database work, do little database work. So make sure that you're calling people that you qualified people that you know That you can you can solve a problem for, all right? Then you're not just randomly calling like a dumbass.
0: Amazing. So then, do you try and land a meeting? Yeah. Yes. Um, At that point, after you've articulated those
1: three things, we want to land a meeting because um, once you've landed that meeting, you're going to go. The next meeting is going to be a discovery meeting, right? We don't want to sell them on the initial call. People. Here's where people. Fail a lot in that process. They they forget that that's a human being on the other end, and that's a busy human being. What if someone called you and said, "Hey, hey, Ethan, this is Ronell. I want to sell you something right now on the phone." You don't got time for that, no. Hey, this is what this is who I am. This is what I do. This what here's, here's what's, what's in it for you. Now let's let's get to a meeting. Let's set a meeting with them. All right. Now when we set that meeting, here's the biggest piece of advice that I've got for for you for your your audience on that next meeting that next meeting is a discovery meeting get really really good at asking opening open ended questions and ask a ton of them all right the more the customer talks you win the more we talk we lose the reason why you want to get great at asking open ended questions is because thank you it's because they're going to lay out for you how to win their business if you ask enough of the right questions so you don't have to assume you don't have to guess. You don't have to think. You will know what it takes to close that that business and to get that customer.
0: Definitely. And that's why they've got the saying as we've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. Do more listening than you do speak. Like, oh, honestly, they need to be the one speaking. You you don't need to be pitching yourself because I do sales training with my work and you just need to find out as, as much as you can. And then you there can it is. just... And I think another thing as well is having case studies as well of things that you can just, if you are talking about what you can do them, have a prepared case study because people like to know an actual real life example opposed to saying, Oh, I can do this. I can do that. Or just be like, this happened. This specifically happened. And I did this. So
1: you you're leading into something else that I coach sellers on consistently too. During that discovery process, don't sell. Don't resist hmm. the urge because here's what happens is a customer will give us some sort of buying signal or something that we like, or they want and then we will immediately want to start selling them. So during that discovery, I might ask you, well, Ethan, so how do you like your existing carrier? How do you like it? And you'll be like, well, you know what? They suck. You know, they're not doing this for me and they're not doing that for me. And then you immediately want to go, oh, shit, well, you know, I can do that. I can do this and we do this and we do that. And you'll get premature, right? Just keep asking the question. Let them lay it out because they might tell you something else farther down the line that's going to be even more critical. So you just resist the urge to sell, keep asking the questions, clarify those questions to make sure that you're getting um that you're getting to the heart of whatever their issues are, whatever their problems are, whatever you can solve for. And then when you go back to present, when you go back to propose that customer, instead of shooting like and I use a I use, I like to use a gun analogy for this. This is bad from America. I know, but it is what it is. So a lot of sellers, when they're doing their proposal, they're like shooting with a machine gun. They're just like all over the place. Once you deliver your presentation, once you deliver your proposal, you have to get it right. That's your one shot. Once it's done, it's done. So you want to make sure that you're shooting like a sniper, Right. Like I'm getting in that bullseye and you will not get in that bullseye unless you've done your due diligence to ask every possible question and really know 100% what matters to that customer. If you do that process, by the time you get to the proposal, the proposals are close. because you've already got the buy-in from the customer. You know exactly what matters to them. You've confirmed with them, hey, this is what matters with you. Okay. And if I can, if I can meet that need, if I can solve that problem, can we do business? And they will give you the affirmative. And then when you deliver your proposal, deliver your presentation, you're just confirming what you've already, the conclusion that you've already come to based upon the previous meeting and previous appointment. And you're in closed city.
0: You're closing the deal. Awesome. So then you've got your first client sorted. There you go. So, what, do, what, what, if you had to summarize three qualities, what three qualities make a great salesperson?
1: Oh great great question number 1 sincerity sincerity consistency okay sincerity in sense of like go out there be you be authentic don't don't be something something or someone that you're not consistency right consistency in terms of hey getting out there and being willing to put in the work being willing to put in the work on a consistent and a consistent timelines to build pipeline because sell successful sales uh pipeline does not happen overnight it takes time it takes time to do that um and the last one i would say um i i think i'm gonna roll with i'm toying between two things and i'm gonna say let's have them both you know i well here's where i'm thinking i'm leaning towards um Dependability, but that's not really the right term I want to use. We're going to say you can you can put a word on it, but I'm going to put it this way. I'm going to give you give you a story, a quick little story, and you can put whatever word you want on it. When I started my sales career, uh, I started my sales career in the jewelry industry, and I worked at a jewelry store. And I was 18 years old in this jewelry store, and this successful older gentleman came and He probably he I don't know back then it seemed like he was in his 70s. I was 18. He was probably 45. I don't know. <laughs> Everybody's old when you're 18. So, so he gave me his watch. It was a Rolex watch. Gave me this Rolex watch to have some work done on it. I sent that watch out to my watchmaker and told him well before I did we took, you know, took his information and said, Hey, the watch's gonna be done tomorrow at X time, 9 a.m., whatever it was. Gentleman showed up like clockwork the next day. I didn't have his watch for him. Didn't have his watch for him, and he told me that um, – or my watchmaker had called me and said, hey, look, we've got some issues. We're behind. It's not going you know, I'm not going to have it yet. And so I had to tell this gentleman at 18. I said, hey, sir, I'm sorry, but your watch isn't here. And you know what? He told me uh, – he gave me a lesson that day that I've never forgot. He told me, um, okay, I understand that, son, but look, when you say you're going to do something, you make it happen. Yeah. You have to – you got to make it happen. This, this older gentleman who was obviously successful told this 18 year old kid, and I've never ever forgot about that. So what I would say that that lesson taught taught me was how to not only set proper expectations, but look to exceed expectations. So as a seller, a lot of sellers don't set the proper expectation and it sets them up for a bad customer experience. So at the end of the day, the the customer is not is not getting what you delivered or not deliver, not getting what you've promised them. But I think we should be focused on not only delivering what we promised, but trying to exceed that expectation. So, you know, what I probably should have done or could have done better back then is, hey, give him a different timeline. And then the watch comes in early, he's stoked. He's super happy. And I've created a great customer that really loves me. And in sales, sales is a long-term game. It's a long-term game. So, it's all about building a client base and building a referral base. So if you can set the proper expectations and exceed those expectations, you'll build clients that love you and they will go they will they will go wherever you go. As an individual contributor, you go to different companies, whatever, they're there with you. They're following you because you did such a great job and exceeding expectations. So label that whatever you want to label it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the last thing.
0: D- delivering on your promises, basically.
1: I'll take that. There but you go. Beyond that, beyond that, you know, let's go this. Let's go this route because I've always coached my guys on exceeding expectations. So you set proper expectations, expectations that you can meet better than meet, that you can exceed. Because if you can exceed expectations, then then your customer has an an, an exemplary. Um. Um. An exemplary, uh, help me, help me. I'm getting there.
0: I don't know Uh, what you're trying to say. (laughs) Experience. Experience.
1: There we go. go. And, uh, then they love you and that's what you want. You want your customers to love you.
0: So do you think you've always had those values installed in you or do you think you've had to develop on those over time and you're still, or are you still teaching them to yourself?
1: Yeah, I think that we're always, anyone that is really, achieved any level level of wisdom understands that you never stop. You never stop learning. Like I'm not at the point to where like, okay, well, I've got 24 years in this sales thing. I'm the master. No, I I've learned a whole lot and I have a lot to share, but I'm still learning and I'm still evolving and still learning how to do better with some of those things. Because all of us have our strengths and weaknesses. None of us were born with this innate ability to like be awesome. And I think that in sales, that is something that people um, people think, which is 100% not, not true. They think that salespeople are born. No, just like anyone with talent. Which one of my talents is to communicate anyone with, just like anyone with talent, if you don't have skill and you don't have, you're not working on a, the craft behind the talent, the talent gets wasted. So, um, yeah, I don't think that, I think that it's something that those items that we just talked about, those are things that I work on. Um, one of my personal weaknesses is probably the consistency piece, right? And so I recognize that and recognizing that the consistency is a challenge for myself. What I've learned over the years is to put resources in place that can, can make up for my own personal weaknesses, right? And those resources can be technology and my play, and my, and for me, it's technology. It's, Manpower, So I know there's some things that Halo around. is not going to be good at doing that. So I'll have one of my guys do it. Or I have technology in place that makes up for that.
0: I've got a question. Um, yeah. Do you, do you think that the advancements of, say, like technology and the imp- implementation of social media are diminishing people's ability to communicate? Like, in your experience, have you found people, like salespeople, becoming less and less professional not so much professional but their ability diminishing through the sole fact that we are always on technology nowadays everything's a matter of convenience and we don't really have that face-to-face conversation as much anymore
1: oh you're not ready for this answer ethan you're not ready for this your audience ain't ready for this one (laughs) go for it so i i think that is i think that's just much much ado about nothing so let me take you back in time so 60 years ago, the telephone became this major technology in business and sales. Did that change communication in the, in the sense that, oh, we all are now horrible communicators because of the telephone? No, these technologies evolved the way that we communicate, right? They evolved the way that we, that we communicate. And as far as who is it to determine what professionalism is or what is the standard for communication. It's not me. It's you. It's the guys that are younger. You you have the numbers, right? Millennials are now the largest number of or largest represented number in the workforce. So is, is there any secret why now we're doing more social? We're doing more of these other things because that's how the evolution of communication has happened, right? So like, when you have older people, whether Gen X or baby boomers, talking about all oh, these can't, they can't communicate anymore. I think that's much to do about nothing. Yes, they can communicate, they just communicate differently. Now, with that said, there is a tremendous opportunity for anyone that understands the nuance in reaching out and having personal communication, face to face, hand to hand. There's an opportunity there because not a lot of people are doing that at a high level. So if you can do that at a high level, you'll be really, really successful, right? But I just, that, that narrative that, that somehow millennials and below are just crappy communicators and that the world is going to end because of social media and everything, is just, just not true. It's just, there's an evolution of techno- and technology and this is nothing new. If you go back in history, We've always had technological advances that change that changed the world, and we just evolved with it. Television, right now, television is something that we don't even think about. It's, it's just part of our culture. Well, you know what? Sixty, 70 years ago, they thought television was ruining the way of life, right? Because now you're just sitting in front of the television, and it didn't. Guess what? We're OK. We made it through. Yeah
0: so how do you find yourself adapting to advancements in say social media do you think within your company you are very approachable to the fact that oh this app's coming up for tiktok for example are you on that yep there we go so you clearly are you're very responsive to new up-and-coming platforms
1: i'm on it i don't know how to leverage it yet for our business but i will you know i think any smart entrepreneur and smart business person needs to be thinking about all the technology all the tools that are out there and leverage them for their businesses. And if you're not well you're going to get left behind and that's okay. If if you're comfortable that's fine but you know what comfort is the enemy of entrepreneurs. It's the enemy and it kills businesses every day. It kills businesses far bigger than mine and far bigger than yours.
0: No, I love that. And I and I love you say that um the millennial is the biggest Number of people that make up the workforce. I'm not even. I'm a. I'm Generation Z. I'm 20 years old. Yeah. I'm, I'm even below, yes. I'm below the millennial. So, yeah. as you say, I'm. i I'm one to shape the future of communication, as you say. So, Absolutely.
1: Yes. No so all of that talk about you know what's professional, what isn't professional, and if, listen, you're the ones that are going to, going to dictate that. You know, uh, five, six, seven years ago, it was unprofessional to send a text in business. <laughs> okay. And now that's all we do. And um, it was also unprofessional to include emojis. Well, now everybody's talking with emojis. So like, who who is anyone to say what is professional or what isn't professional as it relates to communication that is not part of the, ma- the, the larger numbered body that's going to control how we communicate? So right now it's millennials. Millennials are dictating, hey, this is what professional is. This what professional isn't, and it'll be you, Gen Z, before long.
0: Excellent. So, you're clearly quite passionate about that. And I like yeah. that.
1: <laughs> well, it's not, it's, and it's not that you guys won't be influenced and you aren't influenced by the lessons from baby boomers and Generation X. You are, and you're going to, and, and it's not like it's going to just be willy nilly and okay, we just say whatever and it's F bombs, everything. No, not necessarily. Um, You're going to be influenced. And as you continue to mature and have more experience, you're going to you're going to that's going to change the way that the communication is. But we're going to come. We're coming to a balance of, hey, the way that you guys communicate and the way the, future, the previous generations communicated. Same thing happened with baby boomers. Same thing happened with Gen X. Same thing will happen. It's happening right now with millennials and will happen with Gen Z.
0: And I love that you are—you have adapted with your business as well, because you see some people, and as you say, people businesses are dying every single day because they think, oh, for example, radio advertisement still works. No, it doesn't. I hate like nobody, nobody responds. You don't think, oh, I heard that radio on the that advert on the radio. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call that. You just don't do that anymore. And the fact that, and you just think, you just pray for those businesses, don't you? You think, why the hell are you still doing this? You're wasting money. So the fact that you and your business are adapting as well, got a lot of time for that. Thank you. You have dropped some incredible value throughout this episode, but as I mentioned earlier, it's time for those final three questions. Got it. So these final three questions, as I said, are on three topics I don't think spoken enough about, which are money, relationships, and death. Mm. Death, morbid, I know, but as I said, no one talks about it. And I get some incredible answers. But the first question in relation to money, I don't think it directly relates to money, but I know some people do. And the question is, what does the word success mean to you? Mm.
1: So I will tell you that through my journey, I never correlated it directly to money because to me, money was just kind of the byproduct of my success. And my success, what I view as success has evolved. Just like with most people, it evolves through the course of your life. So when I was when I was your age, it was all about being the man, being the guy, being the one that made the decisions. Right. And it never was about money because I just figured, I just knew money would come with that. Um, and then it, then it evolved to, to being to the, the kind of the master of my space as I started to, to create businesses and have employees and everything just to, I, my world got smaller, right. My world got smaller. And so it was, success to me was having this successful business and, and in, impacting these lives that were directly affected by the decisions that i made. And where I'm at right now, it's kind of evolved outward. So it's more about how I'm impacting lives and people all over, like my world uh, in the, in the short two, three years and largely due to, you know, like LinkedIn and social media, my, my world has gotten so much bigger. I, I have the pleasure of, of hopping on a podcast with this dope dude in the UK, uh, young guy, tons of energy that I would have never had before and making hopefully some sort of impact on you and an impact on, on your, your audience, um, that, that I would have never before. So that success to me is at this stage in my life, my, my career, I mean, there's always a financial component in terms of, Hey, I want to make sure that I'm taking care of my responsibilities. And, you know, we live this, this, this comfortable life. But beyond that, it's impacting lives, impacting people like all over because all that stuff rolls back to me that helps build my brand. And it helps me to like feel good when I go to sleep at night, like, I'm gonna feel great when we hop off this call like, yo, that was awesome. And I was happy to be able to share and know that some good is going to come from that.
0: Do you, have you felt that you've got more stressed as your business has grown and you've had employees because you have, you're more or less taking responsibility of the fact that you have to pay these people every month. They are relying on you and you, you making money to pay them or do you, cause some people look at the entrepreneurship this way as you have your own business. You don't, you're not under the influence of another person taking control of you. you. You have so much spare time and this, that and the other, and therefore you aren't stressed. But do you feel as if your business has grown? You have got more stressed. Or is no one so, not really at all. So I was
1: telling sharing with one of my coaching clients today that success is its own burden. Okay, success is its own burden. The more successful you are, the bigger your burden gets. the the, the you have to repeat that success, and there is tremendous responsibility. So when you're just dealing with yourself and you're responsible for yourself, it's kind of like going from being um, a teenager to to having a family, right? You know, you're a teenager. You're 18, 19. You ain't got kids, anything? You're just responsible for yourself. It's not a big deal. You got a family, and now you're responsible for, you know, a partner. You're responsible for some kids, and and so when you get into um, entrepreneurship and leadership, well, now times that by 10, 12, 50, 20, whatever. You have a lot of people that. Whose, whose lives and whose welfare kind of depend on the decisions that you make. So it's, there's tremendous pressure and there's tremendous stress. I will tell you that my personal journey and a journey that a lot of folks are list, listening to or about to embark on is climbing to that top of your mountain. And I like to use this analogy a lot. Like um, when I started my my journey in entrepreneurship and career, all I could focus on was the success and moving forward, climbing up Everest, getting to the top of that Everest, and I didn't see anything else. Nothing else mattered, getting to the top. Well, what happens when you get to the top and you look over the side of the mountain, it's scary as shit because you're like, oh, my God, Like I'm here. And the thought of falling off that mountain, the prospect of falling off that mountain, is terrifying, and everything is a threat. Everything is scary. So, yeah, there's tremendous stress, and that's real talk. That's what happens when you get everything that you've worked so hard
0: for, <laughs> do you think there is a top to the mountain because surely you get to that goal you set yourself and think right now I can go further
1: yeah um, so I think that not really for for me to determine for individuals. I think that um, as your life changes and as you evolve as a as a person, you find that your desire for things and accomplishments kind of diminish, right? You realize you kind of get some perspective, you know, when you're 20, 25, it's like, yes, you're thinking, no, I'm climbing, I'm going as hard as I can go. And then you get 35, 40, you're like, okay, like I'm comfortable in this space. Like I'm kind of the man, (laughs) I'm kind of the man. And, um, and, and you, you work so hard to kind of maintain that and to stay at that level. So, yeah, I think that you absolutely can reach the top of your mountain. But, you know, it's not really for me to dictate what it is that people view as the, their mountain or the top of their mountain or, or whatever. But I think a lot of us kind of get there in our careers that are high achievers and that are um, – I mean, we don't think that we'll ever reach the top until we get to something that's like a real comfortable spot. And we're like, oh, shit, I'm going to be the man here.
0: No, for sure. And I appreciate that as well because I, cause I am – I'm at such a young age now. I'm at the bottom of my mountain, in my opinion. I've still got a long, long way to go. Uh, but I'm patient. I think it will ha- it will come. My time, as you say, will come. But I appreciate that you say that. And it's different, obviously different for everyone else. Everyone's going to have yeah. different. But we could talk about that point forever. But the next question with regards to relationships... Is throughout your journey, uh, your journey so far, have you found it difficult to maintain relationships, whether that be with friends, family, loved ones, or have you found ways to bring these people on your journey with you?
1: Wow, that is such a great question. That is such a great question, because there's a couple different ways to go about it. Um, I value people. I always have. And that has to do with my mother and how I was raised. So I always value people. I always value relationships. There have been times in my career where I'm not great at communicating. Absolutely. Like, you know, I'm so into me and the stuff that I'm doing that I just, that you kind of take some of those relationships for granted, but I value them. And I always have, I value relationships with, with my um, employees. I value relationships with my family, with, um, um, but again, there are times when you kind of can take some of those things for granted. Now, that is my personal experience, but I will tell you this that my personal experience is different than a lot of high achievers. Um, there is something that you will as you study high achievers and you study a lot of these people that we view um, as entrepreneurship gods, whether they be like the Richard Bransons or the Steve Jobs or whatever, you will see with a lot of these guys, something that people don't talk about. And that is the wake of failed relationships, the wake of, of bad relationships with kids and, and, mm. and failed marriages. And, and, and that is part of what it takes. And here, here's, hear me out on this. I made a decision many years ago that I did not want to be successful at the uh, expense of those important relationships to me at the expense of my marriage. and so and I real at the expense of my relationship with my kids, so I knew that that was going to limit the amount of success that I had. I knew it, and I think people need to understand that and accept that like to achieve the level that don't don't get me wrong, there are outliers. there's always an outlier, there's always an anomaly, but by and large, to get to that level of success in business, it's going it to come at the the expense of a lot of those relationships i didn't want that because I, to me i understand that those people enrich my life i'm better off for having having my wife having my kids in my life and so that wasn't a sacrifice that i was willing to make or ever will be
0: so you have kids yeah two do you think you spend enough time with them or do you think you could spend oh man more? that is that right there is the
1: um The single greatest thing the entrepreneurship has done for me, the single greatest thing. I have been, I don't like to pat myself on the back, and I'm not one of those dudes that talks about how great I am or things that I've accomplished, but my greatest accomplishment is being there for my kids. Like, coaching, I've been there. Coach, I've been anything at school, I'm there. I've always been there. And my kids will tell you that. My wife will tell you that. I've always been there. And so that is what entrepreneurship gave, gave me. That's the greatest gift. Forget the money, forget the cars, because I've had all of it. I've had the houses, but it's not any of that. It's the fact that, hey, if my kid has a, a corny-ass play <laughs> with a bunch of little kids singing very poorly um, at three o'clock on a Wednesday and they want daddy to be there, daddy's there. Um, I've coached all of their sports. I've done all of that stuff that's that's been my so you want to talk about success that's success to me with segueing back so yep i've been there
0: i love that and i think that's a beautiful thing to say as well because as a kid you do just want the time of your parents and that's something that my parents have did as well they've always been there i've had a football game i've literally any event that i've had they have been there yeah and as a child that is all you can ask for. And especially because some entrepreneurs take it one way or the other, they do what you do and been able to be there all the time or they're never there. They get too focused yep. in growing their company. So the fact that you, I love the fact that you've taken the route of always being there because your children will appreciate that for life. And you only get one chance of spending your time. Yes. With kids. You aren't going to be yes. kids forever.
1: Yep. And, and again, I would just want to, Make sure that the point is clear. Is I owe that to entrepreneurship. That's what entrepreneurship gave me: the control of my schedule, control of my calendar to allow me to be able to be there.
0: There we go. And I love that. My final question, mm-hmm. in relation to death, are you afraid of dying? Yes. Why?
1: Um, the um, I think the, the the normal or the standard question is the unknown. Uh, to me, it's not the unknown so much as, as a guy that is, let me put this the right way. Um, I, I just feel like this is probably it, (laughs) that this is it. So like, um, I don't, I don't come from a, I don't have a very religious, um, I'm not a religious dude. Okay. I was raised in a religious household. I'm not a religious guy. Um, I try to deal in what we know and what I know. And so, um, the thought of nothingness and that kind of being is, is is, is a little bit scary. Right. And so, um, yeah, I don't, I, so it's not so much of, Hey, fear of the unknown to me as more like fear of knowing that that's that's it. There's nothing next.
0: And I love that. And I think that's a great way of putting it. And I as I say, I get a different answer every time I ask that question, mm. and that's another different answer. So there we go. <laughs> but as I take my last sip, I've even saved a tiny bit, as I take my last sip of my nice artois. <laughs> there we go. I want to thank you so much for joining me on this episode of CEO Journal. You. Where can my listeners catch up with you if they want to ask you any questions? What are your social platforms? This is your time to plug everything. Go ahead.
1: Awesome. So, you know, you guys can always Google me, uh, Ronell R-O-N-N-E-L-L Richards. Uh, website, ronellrichards.com. Check out businessandbourbon.live. That uh, is is where you'll see all what's going on with our live events. You'll be able to see some great content on there. Um, And lastly, uh, the Business and Bourbon podcast with Ronnell, which is on Apple, Spotify, um, iHeart, wherever you listen, it's there. Um, And keep your eyes open for our next venture. You just might see us on one of your favorite networks here um, going into 2020. So, Um, I appreciate all the support. Subscribe, check it out. If you love us, love what we do, make sure that you give us a rating. Um, Social media, LinkedIn is really where I focus most of my energy. So follow me, connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, everything else. But you know, we do some content there. But it's really about LinkedIn and and for us. So that's where you can find me. I'm everywhere, but nowhere. I'm everywhere. (laughs)
0: there there we go and they all will be in the show notes below so people don't have to worry about remembering those just simply look down below and they'll be there but ronnell thank you so much for your time and thank you everyone for listening to this episode of ceo journals So that's going to wrap up today's episode of the podcast and I can't thank you all enough for listening. I aim to interview some of the most incredible business owners and entrepreneurs every single week. So you can really help me out by smashing that subscribe button and by leaving me a five-star review over in the iTunes store. It literally takes two seconds and will help me secure some of the greatest names in business as guests on the show. Make sure you tune into the next episode where I'm going to be talking to another incredibly interesting guest. I'll be discussing their journey and providing tips to all your aspiring and current business owners. Have a lovely rest of your day. And once again, thank you for tuning in to CEO Journals.